This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, August 27th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. The political presidential parallels between now and 1968, plus the economic costs of closing schools. And we're watching Hurricane Laura again this morning, which made landfall overnight in Louisiana as an extremely dangerous Category 4 hurricane. The director of the National Hurricane Center, Ken Graham, put it in perspective yesterday. The words that come to mind here is, uh, you know, catastrophic. And also the other one is the storm surge. When you start looking at the storm surge, it's not survivable. And now today's one big thing, a historic moment for sports and the Black Lives Matter movement. Last night, the Orlando Magic were set to play the Milwaukee Bucks in game five of the first round of the NBA playoffs. The Bucks didn't play. This is why. When we take the court and represent Milwaukee and Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level, give maximum effort, and hold each other accountable. We hold ourselves to that standard, and in this moment, we are demanding the same from lawmakers and law enforcement. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand the officers be held accountable. Federal civil rights investigators are looking into the police shooting of Jacob Blake on Sunday night in Kenosha. The Bucks' refusal to play last night because of the shooting led to the postponement of all three NBA playoff games, followed by the WNBA, Major League Soccer, and the MLB had a few teams, including the Milwaukee Brewers, who also refused to play. Both men and women's tennis associations are also pausing play today. Kendall Baker is Axios' sports editor, and he's here to explain why this is the most historic 24 hours in sports activism history. We've never seen anything like this. I think a few events in sports history come to mind, mainly 1968 Olympics. But in terms of multiple leagues at the same time, athletes kind of coming together as one unit like this, we've never seen anything like this. So, Kendall, where do we go from here? Yeah, so I think we'll see the players and the unions get together, the leagues, and come up with kind of that list of action items that they need to see happen before they return to play. How long that takes or what that list looks like remains to be seen. I also think, looking at LeBron James, for example, he's leading a group of athletes, their coalition, More Than a Vote, which is pushing for voting education for sports stadiums to be turned into voting sites. And so there's a lot of action that's already being taken place, athlete-led, that's been going on for weeks, months, years in some cases. And so I think this is a nice reminder that I think we often tend to think of sports not just as a distraction, but as a business, a multi-billion dollar business. Do you think the events of last night maybe cause us to look at things a little bit differently? I think so. Yeah. You think about these athletes and kind of what they're going through and being isolated from their families, being in this kind of weird environment that we've never seen, that they've never seen. The burden of black men in America and the burden of famous black men in America, where you're kind of forced to be ambassadors and you're supposed to talk on these issues because who else is going to? And I think it does remind you that these are human beings. And yes, sports is a business, but there's a lot more than that to this. 
And do you feel like this is a pivot moment for not just the NBA, but professional sports in North America? Yeah, certainly. I think you've seen over the past years, decades, athletes start to use their voices more. And we've seen that this year, taking it to a different level, really putting like their livelihood on the line, putting their paychecks on the line, really demanding action in a forceful way that we've never seen. So, you know, this is a sports movement. This is not an NBA movement. This is not a Milwaukee Bucks movement. It's all of sports coming together, or at least most of the sports world. Kendall Baker is Axios' sports editor. We'll be back in 15 seconds with how all of this is playing out in the presidential election. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. The hard truth is, you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. And under President Trump, We will always stand with those who stand on the thin blue line, and we're not going to defund the police, not now, not ever. All week we've heard warnings like this from Vice President Mike Pence and others at the Republican National Convention. And though this moment of Black Lives Matter protests and calls for racial justice feel unprecedented, the convention stage this week and last feel like we're back in 1968. Hans Nichols has been covering the Biden campaign for Axios. The main political parallel is that just the circumstances, there's violence on American streets, there's racial unrest. What we know in 68 is that Republicans were willing to have the conversation they wanted the focus to be on that. When a nation has been known for a century for equality of opportunity is torn by unprecedented racial violence, it's time for new leadership for the United States of America. So, Hans, we're seeing the parallels and messaging from President Trump, but also through the convention. And on Monday night, we heard Donald Trump Jr. using similar language. Anarchists have been flooding our streets and Democrat mayors are ordering the police to stand down. Small businesses across America, many of them minority owned, are being torched by mobs. Democrats are focusing on the right to protest, which we see with the NBA, while Republicans are focusing on the violence. But neither side are shying away from the conversation. Democrats are almost driving this conversation as much as Republicans. It was Biden who put out the first statement on Jacob Blake. It was Biden who made the statement on Twitter. Put yourself in the shoes of every black father and black mother in this country and ask, is this what we want America to be? Is this the country we should be? There are political imperatives within the Democratic Party to speak out on this, right? Because Biden needs to make sure that the activists that he needs to come out feel as though they understand and that the campaign understands this moment. But the broader issue and the more contested one is, is this working with suburban voters? That's really the battleground there. And the calculus that the Biden campaign has made is that we're going to talk about this. We're not going to shy away from it because we think the country has changed. And this is kind of a window, would you say, into the radically different views about this country? Elections and campaigns are clarifying. There's some moments where it's so obvious that the country has moved along, 
But there are other moments where we don't know. And I think that's what this campaign, that's what this election's about. And, you know, we'll wake up on November 4th or maybe December 4th, depending on how long the results take, and we'll have a better sense of where the country is. Hans Nichols covers the Biden campaign for Axios. We know that when schools close, lots of things suffer, including the economy. But exactly how much is to the tune of more than $700 billion in lost revenue and productivity. Erica Pandy has been looking into this for Axios. Researchers at Northeastern figured out that the average parent was losing eight hours per week, so a full work day, because they're juggling their job with childcare. And then when you look at communities of color or lower income workers, that jumps up to nine or 10 hours per week because these groups are disproportionately represented in essential jobs that are in person. All parents are suffering, but those that can telework have the option to make up for lost time with an early 4 a.m. wake up or, you know, pulling an all-nighter, whereas people working in essential jobs where they have to show up for work at a 9 to 5, if they have to stay home to take care of their kid, they either have to reduce their hours or just quit completely. All of this, I guess, is what adds up to the $700 billion in lost revenue and productivity. Right. So if you do some math, you look at eight hours lost per week, you think about the length of the school year being nine months, put all of that together and all told the cost of schools being closed and daycare centers being closed is a 700 billion hit to our GDP. And that's about three and a half percent of GDP. There is a real macroeconomic cost to not figuring out this child care problem. Erica Pandy covers the future of work for Axios. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com and you can always find me on Twitter at Nyla Voodoo. And we'd love it if you have time to leave us a review. That makes it easier for other people to find our podcast. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.